Welcome to our Pini. This is Saratova Beth. We entered the month of Cheshvan, the rainy month. Thank God it's not raining. But we've come out of the holy month, and we've prepared the whole month of Elul to walk in, to step into that bubble of holiness, the month of Tishrei. And we have just stepped up or down or something into a month of a mundane month, a month of a worldly month, out of the show and into the elections. Yay! We all know, not just in the United States, but in the entire world, that this is going to be a very interesting month for the entire world. Being that the elections are happening in the superpower of the world, oh my, how interesting this will be. So, we want to look at, we want to ask ourselves, you know, being that it's kind of, um, things are heating up and it's, there are lots of things happening right now, especially with the, you know, the pandemic, um, that are of concern. <laughs> and things are, it feels like the model. We're in partial size, it feels like the model. What tools do we have to make this into from um, a, a marble that is an insane chaos to a marble that is mechad, you know, waters of, of, of nachasruach, waters of comfort? Because as is brought out in Chassidus, what the marble, what the flood of Nayak really was, was a giant mikvah. Hashem took the world that had really gotten to a point at which it just needed to be brought back down to ground zero and start all over again. And it was. How do you do it? You take the whole world, you throw it into the mikvah, and it comes out a brand new world with brand new possibilities. So let's look at our tools. And before that, we're going to look for a second at, as we're entering the month of Cheshvan, why is it called Mar Cheshvan? Because we're talking about rain. And in Hasidus, it explains the difference between dew, we daven for rain now, we pray for rain. What's the difference between praying for dew that comes down at night, tal, and matar, which is rain? Because rain is connecting to the avaida that we as creations do. You have, to, you have to pray for rain. You don't have to pray for dew. Dew is a heavenly thing. It just comes. You don't really have to do anything. So dew is called, it's Rusa de la a spiritual flow from above. And um, an arousal from Hashem. Um, and Tal, um, and dew is never stopped. It's not like if you're not good, there will be less dew. It's the same amount of dew. You're good, you're bad, you do what you have to do, you don't do what you do. There's less, it's the same amount of dew every morning. I once worked as a student in botanical gardens, and we would start work in the gardens very early. And it was, I always wanted to bring a camera and photograph the formations, because I was studying biology then, the formations of the dew drops on the various um, 
foliage. It was really amazing how it beads up and each kind of leaf has the, has the dewdrops in, on them in a different kind of a way. It's, it's really a fascinating thing. One of these years in my retirement, I'll go back to the biology of dew and see what it's all about. And probably it's deeply spiritual. But it never stops. There's a dew, and every morning, there it is. Go to, you know, look at your grass or look at, go to the botanical gardens early in the morning, and you'll see it. And rain depends on you. You have to pray. You have to pull it down. It's up there waiting for you to pull it down. And that's more difficult. It's not an automatic thing. And that's the difference between the summer and the winter months. Summer is dew, an arousal from above. Winter is rain, an arousal from below. And so it's harder in the winter time. And one other thing, one other difference between summer and winter is summer is, you know, a lot of light, which means it's hot, it's sunny, it's luminous, a lot of light hours, which means it comes from the spiritual. Baruchni is spiritually, because the light of Hashem is very powerful then, shining more openly. So, um, you see it in the actual physical sun. And the peak is Tkufas Tammuz. Sometime, I guess, around June, usually. It's the peak of the, the, sol- the solace of the summer solace. If that's how you call it. But winter is not. Winter is the time when you need to do the work. There's not a strong, obvious influence from Hashem. He's more behind the scenes, empowering you, but it requires more awareness of his partnership, his, his empowering you, his embrace. It's not so clear, it's not so obvious. Even you see in the summertime, you know, it's vacation time. Like, hey, let's jump in the swimming pool. Let's go boating. Let's go biking. Let's this, let's that. You know, it's just, you know, glorious days uh, taking in the sun. Winter is not glorious days unless you're like me and you like the snow. So the Fifth Rebbe said once that summer is the Avaida, Avaida Hashem, summer is the summertime, the Avaida is simpler than in the winter. So when we start the month of Cheshvan, and when we go into the flood, Parshas Naya, the flood, we are being given power for this Avaida of rain. We can't just be dumped like, hey guys, we're going to sit in Shul, we're going to sit in the Holy Domain the whole month of Tishrei, and we're just going to absorb so much, and then, well, good luck, you know, uh, it was all done almost, there was so much done sent down to us spiritually during the month of Tishrei, and well, now it's the month of Cheshvan, so have a nice time, call if you need any uh, technical assistance, just dial three, not quite like that. We're given unique kaichas, unique energies to be able to enter this month and take it higher. Because remember that from Parshas Nayach we go into Lech Lecha, move forward in an exponentially, infinitely greater way to a whole new frequency. How do you do that in the month when you know, you're on your own, it's rainy, it's rainy because you're not on your own? It's just a different way of seeing how you're fully supported by Hashem. 
And the interesting thing is that this month really begins while we're in the month of Tishrei. It's Shabbos Mavarchim Tishrei. We're still in the set. When when was Shabbos Mavarchim Tishrei? Uh, sorry, Shabbos Mavarchim Cheshvan. We are still in the seventh month, which is satiated with everything you need. The seventh. And therefore, that's where the Kayach, from where the Kayach is given to us for the winter. Even though we have to do the work, the spark plugs are inserted into the seventh month. And when we are then sent into the winter of Ida, then Shabbat Mavarchim Marcheshvan has an effect and is pulled down to the entire year, Bagashmis and Jerusalem together. So, what's the new, what are we being empowered to do this year? It's 2020, it's Tafshin Pei it's a year in a way on a frequency that never it was before, and we don't have to repeat wonders that will be unmasked, etc. We're approaching an election, things are heating up, it's getting more crazy than ever before. So one thing that we know, and we're going to be looking at, how does creation work exactly, and what is my point, what is my part in it? What is this tool that I'm being given as I'm stepping into the month of Cheshvan? So we just came from Shabbos Precious, and we know the famous statement, and I'm not going to go into it at length, that the way you set yourself up on Shabbos Precious, the whole, that's the way it goes the whole year. And of course, the question is, and I'm going to say this quickly, why isn't it the way you set yourself up on Rosh Hashanah or on Simchat or on Shavuos or Pesach? Why specifically Shabbos Precious? The way you do it, Shabbos Precious, that's the way it will go a whole year. And the answer is the following. So we just came from this past Shabbos reading Bracious Barlikinus Hashemayinus Aris on this very Shabbos Bracious that you know determines kind of how it goes. That is a template for the whole year. And remember, we're stepping into a year that never was before of a frequency that never was before, which means we're going to be given kaiches, talents, and abilities and energies that we really never had before. Maybe tzaddikim had them, but regular people never had them before. That's the way it is. We're going to become the kind of people, the kind of regular people that they didn't make these kind of regular people before. Maybe there were simple regular people who had really incredible kaisas of mysterious nefesh of self-sacrifice throughout all the generations. And we're kind of very American, you know, like if I don't have my Coca-Cola, I can't think. If I don't have my coffee and my Danish, or as they call it, my Zainas, you know, if I don't have my coffee and my Danish in the morning, I just can't think. And I wouldn't say that in other generations they couldn't think if they didn't have their coffee in Danish, right? Or like, I don't know, just do me a favor, just give me some sushi. I can't think until I have my sushi. That's who we are. So isn't it funny that we're being given energies to be incredibly miraculous, you know, being that we're so American um, and, you know, quite, um, according to classical terms, pampered, but... Maybe we're pampered because only the very wealthy, we're, we're very rich in that we're pampered. You know, we live lives like the pampered rich people of 600 years ago, right? And just anybody who's on Medicaid has a pampered life relative to the poor people 600 years ago. So maybe we need to be kind of physically pampered 
because we're astronauts. And quite honestly, you're going to send an astronaut to space um, to do what he has to do in space um, on an empty stomach and no provisions for a month. He's probably just not going to do well. So we're we're being astronauts. We're being sent to go to outer limits that no one ever went, no simple people ever went to in a um, everyday way before in history. And therefore, that's kind of an astronaut, a spiritual astronaut. And therefore, you need to you need to go on a full stomach, and you need you need. Let's just face it: in those spaceships where the that the astronauts go in, they spend billions of dollars to make sure they're fully equipped, and they have food on board, and they have they're fully trained, fully equipped. You could call it pampered. They're not lacking for resources. They have all the resources they need. We're not lacking for resources. We have the resources we need. Full stomach, full full arsenal of a physical and spiritual and emotional tools so that we can be those astronauts. So so the Indian of Gracious by Lakimis Ashamayas Aris, which is our mandate. Step into this idea of that in the beginning, gracious, base gracious, Hashem Barbara, creation. Hashem created Shemaiva Arat, heaven and earth. One of the things we know, even from the secular world today, is that we are co-creators. That Hashem created the whole world from nothing into something. It starts with nothing. To take nothing and make it into something, that requires Hashem. We can take something and reshape it into another something. Give me raw material and I can make a painting. But I can't really create paint from nothing. Only Hashem can. But here the idea is, what it's telling us is that the creation is happening all the time. Every minute and every second. The... um. So what was created brand new in the six days of creation? First there was nothing, and then there was, as we say, something. That's incredible. And that's a real chiddush. That's a real novelty. That's about the biggest novelty that you can have. Something when there was nothing before. And this really applies to every single minute. There's always a brand new creation. This Bracious Baraliki Nesheshamayindas Aris, you know, oh, that's so nice. It's a story about what happened 5,781 years ago. Well, yes and no. It did happen 5,781 years ago. It also happened a split second ago. And it's going to happen a split second from now. And as we speak, it already happened a few times. Gracious Baro, Hashem is creating the heaven and the earth, and he's asking us to co-create. So it's explained at length in, in Tanya that the pos- that there's a pasuk that says, Hashem, your word is always in the heavens. Every creation is really nothing. And the entire being of creation is only... Because every single second, Hashem is creating the world. Now, what does that mean? 
So in a sense, what we're being told is this flood, the marble that we're reading about this week, it wasn't a one-time event. It happens every single second. What happened with the marble? What happened with the flood? The world as we knew it was destroyed. It went back to nothingness. There was a full world. It wasn't such a great world. It really needed to be revamped. So it was just wiped down to ground zero. Twin Towers type of energy. Wiped down to ground zero. Destroyed. And a brand new world came out of it. Eventually, when Nayak and his crew stepped out of the, the ark, the Teva, says, Eilam Chadash Ra. He saw a brand new world. Shemaim Chadash and the Aritz Chadash. New heaven and new earth. The old world ceased to exist. The world was thrown into a mikvah. When a person emerges in the, in the mikvah, Mr. X goes into the mikvah. Mr. X ceases to exist. There is no more Mr. X. The person that comes out of the mikvah is a brand new person. Not Mr. X on a better level or cleaner. It's a new, it's a different Mr. X. Because the word tevila is from the letters habitel. He's nullified. He's gone. Remember Mr. X? Yeah, those were the days. He's gone. So who walked out of the mikvah? Different person. When the world was thrown into the mikvah as the flood, the 40 days and 40 nights, remember the world as it was? Yeah, remember those were the days. It's gone. So what do we have now? A different world. Oh, okay. That was a one-time thing, right? Well, yes and no. It sort of happens every split second. Every single second. Every single second, the world goes back to nothing. And then there's a new world that comes, that's created. That's happening every second. If we could see it, we would be very tired and traumatized. But we don't see it. We think it just keeps on going. You know, how are things? Same old, same old. That's as far from the truth as possible. There's no same old, same old. Remember that world when you were saying same old, same old? It's gone. Now is a brand new world on a higher frequency. Clean slate. Brand new possibilities. So, so it's not only that it's a brand new world every second. But, if the world starts off as zero, nothing, and then it comes into being through Hashem's word, so the real truth of the world is Hashem is creating it. In other words, you have two facts here. There's a brand new world every second. So what are you focusing on? World, world, world. Oh, look, there's a tree. Oh, wow, a bird just hit past by the world. And then there's a brand new bird every second, and maybe that bird will be gone. Now you see it, now you don't. You're focusing on the world. And at the same time, you're focusing on, wait, who just made this happen? Hashem, God. Ah. Okay, so I'm also focusing on this whole world that I call world is really Hashem. Hashem upgrading. This world, is, remember the world before? Yeah, that one's gone. Now the new world? What is it really? Well, let's say this. Let's ask the question. 
is there any such thing as true actual physical matter? You know, you don't have to be a big scientist to know this. Remember once upon a time we used to talk about the electron and the proton and the neutron, and the smallest particle of matter was, you know, where the electrons and neutrons and protons. This was about a thousand years. This was like 40 years, right? This was 40 years ago. Nobody believes that, even though old scientists don't believe that anymore. Almost everybody will agree. Certainly quantum physics bring explains that there is no particle. When you break down matter to the smallest particle, there's actually no particle. There's no particle. There's no thing. There's no thing. So what's there? What is this electron, proton, neutron? What are these things? Oh, they're probabilities of movement of energy. So there's no thing? No, there's no thing. So it's just probability. Wow, okay. So then if the world is not made up of things, what's it made up of? This is quantum physics. This is not even Torah. What is the world, this world that I thought is a solid world made up of a bunch of, lots of billions and billions and trillions and quadrillions of particles? There's no real particle. So what is this world? This world is the probabilities of Hashem's energy. So every single second, what's this world? It is, maybe, Hashem upgrading and upgrading again, and upgrading again, and upgrading again. In his desire and his plan to create what looks like a world. Okay. So then when we go back to Shabbos Gracious, why is it so important? Because what is the most powerful reality of Shabbos Gracious? The statement, Gracious Barilakim, this really in two words. What did we just go through on Shabbos Gracious? Two words. What was the energy? Gracious Bara. Hashem creates base gracious. Hashem creates through base gracious. The two gracious are one gracious is the Torah, the other gracious is the one first fruit is the Torah and the other first fruit is the Jewish, the individual Jew and the Jewish people. But in the beginning, and every single second is a new beginning, Hashem is creating. And since he creates this entire world for Tyra and for you, he looks to you to co-create. He looks to you to co-create. So here is the question, and here is where it really gets fun, let's call it. When you're speaking about the obligation of a Jew to take the physical world and make it into a vessel for godliness. That's what we're, we all know that. What are you here to do? Make this world into a vessel for godliness. Okay. Good. So what do we feel? I could look at, I hear right in front of me is a, an umbrella, a big umbrella with a Canadian flag over it, right? Why was it given to me? To make it into a vessel for godliness. Maybe also to sit and protect myself from the rain or the sun. But to make it, but really, that's just the logistics. To make it into a vessel for godliness. And I'm going to feel that, you know, hey guys, let's face it. The way the physical world is set up, this one is tough. I don't know how to make this umbrella into a vessel for godliness. It doesn't feel conducive. Like, hey, umbrella, you want to be a vessel for godliness? Not answering me. 
You see, it's too hard. Forget it. I can't do it. It's either too hard. These are the Rebbe's words. It's either too hard. It looks like the umbrella isn't helping me. You know, I'm on my own. Like, hello, umbrella. Would you like to be a vessel for godliness? It's not answering me back. So it's either too hard, or I might even feel like it's kind of impossible. So then here's the question. When I remember, that forever, Hashem, your word stands in the heavens. Why is that important to me? Forever, Hashem, your word stands in the heavens. And everything happens. This world is being set up from this word of Hashem in the heavens. He's creating, and maybe co-creating, the world every single second from this particular setup, the way he set it up, that his word is standing in the heavens. And that's how he does it. He had to create a system. We know it's nothing to something. It comes from him. But he decided to do it this way. I'm going to put my word in the heavens. Baal Shem Tov explains it. And that's how I'm going to keep recreating, creating the world, a brand new world, another brand new world, and a brand new world. Okay. The plan. If I were asked to figure out how Hashem would do it, I don't know if I would have thought that one up. But it's it, it, okay. I, you know, Baal Shem Tov tells us, you know, I respect that. <laughs> so I get it. So what is that telling me? Fact. The world is created every second from Hashem's word being in the heavens. You know what that's telling us? It's telling us that in truth, you ready? In truth, the Rebbe says, I'll read it in Yiddish. The Emes is in Gantin Nisal Kainzel. But in truth, there's actually not really a world. There's not really a world. Okay. That's interesting. So then what is there when I look at the umbrella sitting in front of me with the Canadian flag on it? What 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 is that? That's not a world? That's not part of the world? Not in the deepest sense of the word, no. Okay, so what's that umbrella over there? What it really is is the Yamir Lakimihi are and God said, Let there be light. Because he said, let there be light, by he or there was light. That's what I'm looking at when I'm looking at the umbrella. I am looking at an expression of Hashem saying, let there be light. And he expresses that, let there be light, and there is light, in billions and trillions and quadrillions and quadrillions, different ways of let there be light. So I am looking at an umbrella I am, but I, I'm looking at a thing, or I thought it's a thing, except that quantum physics says there are no real things. I'm also looking at the word of God, saying, let there be light. And in this case, he wants the light to express itself through what looks like an umbrella and whatever an umbrella needs to do. Protect you, cover you, shield you, etc. And all the other things that exist in the world. 
And all the ten maimars, the ten things through which the world is created. God looks into the Torah and creates the world from that. So when you're seeing things of the world, really, you're seeing, maybe we could say, various aspects of Hashem's, can I call it personality? And desire. More than I see. Wow, look at this. How do you get a, how do you get an umbrella with a Canadian flag? Yeah, I went to, uh, Canadian Tire and I got one. Yeah, you can't get them here. No, you can't. You can order it online. What am I looking at? Is that the most important thing about this umbrella? No. The most important thing about this umbrella is it's expressing to me an aspect of Hashem and His will and His personality that's different from the way I will experience Him in a tree or a car or a bicycle or a pizza. Hashem looked into Tyra, looked into Tyra, and into the ten saints, the Asarma Maris, and he creates the world. He didn't only do it then, he does it now. He looked into Tyra, and he creates the world. And therefore, when I think deeply into this, and I really integrate it, then I realize that the whole existence and the beinghood of the world is only from the Asarama the Ten Sayings, in Tyre. The whole beinghood of the world is really just an expression, an extension of Tyre. Ten Sayings of Tyre. So what's the most important thing about this umbrella? Not, is it a Canadian or American umbrella? But which part of Tyre is it, is, is it expressing? And so automatically, when I understand that and integrate it, the existence of the world can actually not get in the way of my mitzvahs. Because the existence of the world is really just an expression of the personality, if you want to say, of Tyra. The same Tyra that says, with all the mitzvahs, is creating this umbrella. And therefore... And this is where we'll sum up. It starts to become more obvious to us that the existence of the world is nothing other than Tyra and its ways of expressing itself. And so when we go in the streets or in the middle of our day and we say, a Maimar Razal, a Capitol Tillam, Perak Mishnayas, Perak Tanya, and everything we do we have actually an effect on the world. Our recognition of the death and the inner essence of Bracious Barlakim. The world is being recreated with us as co creators every second, achieves that it actually applies to the whole heaven and the whole earth and all the constellations and the heavenly host, the whole creation. So to sum up, 
that week is Parshas Nayach, and normally we would say Parshas Nayach is a scary week. Let's get through it as fast as possible. The Rebbe says that Kalamut Nevach, it's kind of a tough week, not in, uh, you know, it gets better, we become happy when Avram Avinu comes in, into the Parsha, and it's kind of a tough week, it's the, the flood, the destruction, and all of that stuff. And yet, on a higher frequency, what we're, what we're seeing is that we're being given a tool that's unbelievable. It's not a happy, sweet, you know, cheery, smiley face kind of a tool. It's a much more profound tool. The happy, sweet, you know, Slechlecha and Breshev and yay, Hashem is creating the world and so, and Lechlecha, Abramavino, and it's good. But the profound tool, one of the profound tools is in this week. The tool of being able when our world becomes too murky, and a world view becomes too bogged down. You know, you've got too much junk in your kitchen. You know, you sure you need all those old plastic mugs that you haven't used for 30 years? Right? You can throw half the stuff out, that kind of thing. When we become too clogged up with old, junky viewpoints, scuffers, plus plus, and the all this stuff that's being piled onto us in life, all the crazy circumstances like this kind of crazy world we're going through right now, when that's happening, we can detox. We can step into the Teva. We can bring everything back down to ground zero. Cancel out all your obligations back down to zero. The world is destroyed. Your old world, your old world boy view goes down the drain. 40 days and 40 nights, a cleansing. It goes into the mikvah and it's gone. And you can step into a brand new world. And this, and why? Because if Hashem can do it, then we can do it. It's not a simple thing to do, but it feels like it's the tool of our generation and of this year. And the thing that makes it simpler for us and doable is the fact that at the same time, the world is being destroyed, so to speak, every single millisecond, and a brand new world is being created. So while I'm being asked to let go of my old world and my old world view and step into a brand new world, it happens to be what luck that the the old world was destroyed anyway and it's a brand new world that comes out of it. So if I'm ready to step into a brand new world, isn't that perfect model that a brand new world has just been created just for me? I put my foot out. My foot is solidly on the ground in an old world that's feeling more and more stale and more and more dysfunctional. I pick up my foot. Now I'm not so stable because I'm only standing on one foot. And I move it forward, and I put it down into the unknown abyss in front of me. (coughs) And 
My model. The world was just recreated anyway. Not recreated. A brand new world was created. So the world that I'm going to – I picked up my foot in the old world, and it was too bogged down anyway. It's moving through the air. I finally put it down on solid ground in front of me. I put it down into a brand new world, a very different world that I'm putting my foot down into from the world that I picked it up from. That's how fast it changes. And if that's the truth, which is kind of dizzying, then my ability to work with Hashem in moving forward into a world of Geula, taking Shabbos Bracious and really starting to integrate, wow, new world, new world, new moment, new world, new moment, new world, and start to work with that truism, starts to open up all kinds of exciting possibilities, Geula possibilities, and change the whole map of my life and of the world and of history. So as we stand two weeks before the elections with all this interesting stuff that's happening as we speak related to corona, plus, 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 pandemic, 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 et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We're being presented with a truism that has the ability to change the entire picture, the landscape. From a Gullus landscape to a Gaula landscape. And we say, Hashem, give us all you've got to enable us to step into that right here, right now, in this brand new moment. So that we should all meet in the third base of Migdash and celebrate, sing and dance together and rejoice at the Gaula Mitzvah Shalimah.